Welcome to RCV Clips, short recordings and interviews designed to introduce listeners to helpful tools and brief explanations about ranked choice voting and how this voting method works. These clips are produced by the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center, a compilation of best practices and first-hand experiences from jurisdictions that have used ranked choice voting, also known as RCV. The website, www.rankedchoicevoting.org, and the overall project serve as resources for election administrators, voters, policymakers, candidates, and for anyone who wants to learn more about ranked choice voting. We are not advocacy-focused. Rather, we aim to provide resources that allow jurisdictions to implement RCV effectively and efficiently. The RCV Resource Center team is comprised of former election administrators who have conducted statewide, municipal, and district RCV elections. Thanks for listening to this episode of RCV Clips, and sorry we didn't get an episode out in July. To make up for it, we'll be releasing two episodes of the show this month. This one, at the beginning of the month, and another on our regular-ish end-of-month schedule. Also, please forgive us for the audio quality issues this episode. Expensive headsets are apparently not always as good as the $20 ones. Welcome to the first of two August 2019 episodes of RCV Clips. I'm Chris Hughes, a member of the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center team. Today, I'll be talking with Ramsey County, Minnesota's Interim Director of Elections, David Triplett. David helped develop St. Paul's Ranked Choice Voting hand count procedures. So today, we'll talk about those hand count practices to learn more about how St. Paul counts and how hand counting RCV elections works. Thanks, David, for sitting down with me today. Yeah, no problem, Chris. What do we mean when we say a hand counted election? Well, I think simply put, it's just hand counting ballots. Uh, with two people's hands. Um, I think most of your listeners are probably familiar on election day. uh, They put their ballot into a ballot counter or they select their choices on a touch screen and that machine is counting uh, their votes. Uh, Hand count is we're counting the ballots by hand, uh, not the machine. Makes sense. Uh, And why does St. Paul hand count their RCB elections? You know, real simply, we don't have equipment uh, that can currently count our uh, our ranked voting elections. Um, it's kind of always been the uh, Ramsey County and City of St. Paul's uh, interpretation that we have to have a certified system. And currently in Minnesota, there is not a state certified system. Uh, so our default is to uh, do the ranked choice voting elections using the hand count, with, which is an authorized uh, method to count ballots in the state of Minnesota. Of course. Yeah. So what about the logistics of the hand count? How many ballots are you counting? When and where does the hand count take place? So currently in St. Paul, we have about 165,000 registered voters. Um, And we we are a moderate turnout city. So in any given city election, we can have anywhere from 20,000 to 60,000 voters. Uh, And so that's kind of our universe of uh, voters we could potentially be dealing with. Um, In our experience, though, we have had four races go to a runoff. The largest race was 5,700 ballots. So in our experience, we have never done a hand reallocation of more than 5,700 ballots. We had the opportunity last year, uh, but our mayor was elected with a majority. So we actually did not uh, have the opportunity to do the hand count. Um, But logistically, uh, everything takes place here. What we need to do is we need to get all the ballots for that contest. So every precinct that that contest appears on, we need to get all those ballots together. Um, that's the real logistics of it. Uh, we, in our in our role, have all the ballots here. And so acquiring those is very, very easy. The logistical hurdle for us is to find adequate space. Um, when you're putting all the ballots out on a table and you're using uh, two election judges to count the hand, uh, do the hand count of the ballots, 
it does take some physical resources of space, tables, chairs. Uh, but that's kind of the universe we're working in and the number of ballots that uh, we have hand counted in our experience with ranked choice voting here in St. Paul. How many people do you normally have hand counting when you're hand counting an election? So our process in terms of how we do the hand count has not changed, uh, but the best practices we use have evolved. And so uh, every year I think we've added a few more uh, people to the uh, process. In most of the elections we have about, uh, we have a sorter, we have two people that verify the sort, we have teams of election judges counting the ballots, and we have teams of election judges just sorting the ballots face up. Uh, so minimally, we have about 10 people uh, involved in this process, but over time, we've duplicated the process to uh, expedite it. And so um, I believe in 2015, we had three teams of 10 working on one contest. Okay, interesting. And how, so those three teams of 10 are each working with separate piles of ballots? Correct. And then how our system works, and before we do the counting, we bring all those piles together uh, and then do the physical count before we make a determination if a candidate is eliminated or if we need to reallocate their votes. So in our process, our first step is to get all the ballots for that contest together. The next step is we sort all the ballots out by first choice. How the St. Paul ordinance works that governs how we do ranked choice voting in St. Paul, uh, it states that we need to sort all our ballots by first choice and then go do a hand count. And so we no longer rely on the, the count from election night. Uh, we're doing a hand count of those first choices again, and that is what we will then set our threshold at to declare a winner or declare uh, another round of reallocation. So you mentioned that you have multiple teams aiding in the counting, that's one way you've sped up the process. Are there other ways you've sped up the hand count process? Yeah, so we found that the sorting of the ballots, the initial sort to just to get them sorted by uh, first choice was, was fairly timely, especially when you're dealing with 5,700 ballots that each individually have to be sorted. Uh, we did find we could break that process up, and so we brought in additional teams to do the sorting. Uh, and then once all the ballots were sorted by their appropriate first choice, we then brought them together into one uh, unified pile. Uh, we obviously had some audits in place to make sure that the correct uh, ballots were being uh, accumulated in the correct piles and that the total ballots that we started with is what we ended with. But by separating and kind of spreading out the sorting uh, step in the hand count, uh, we expedited that process. Uh, so when we go into the counting, uh, which is the most tedious part of the process, um, everything has already been pre-sorted. How do you currently centralize all the ballots for your hand count? We're fortunate enough. Our office runs the entire elections for St. Paul. So here at Ramsey County, we have a contract with the city. So all the ballots are already centrally located in our uh, facility. Right. So how long after Election Day do you typically hold the hand count? We try to do it uh, as soon as possible. One of the holdups with a hand count is we can't get that result automatically the, the same night as the election. Um, due to just logistics, it takes us three days to truck all our supplies to the polling places, and it takes us three days to truck them all back when we have 96 locations. Uh, before we go into the physical reallocation, we want to do a first-round audit of all our polling places just to make sure that for every voter, we have one ballot. 
because anomalies do occur on election day, uh, and we want to be able to uh, describe every anomaly before we go into the reallocation. Uh, but obviously, we want to be uh, cognizant of the demands of the public and get a result out there uh, as soon as possible. Um, so historically, Election Day is on a Tuesday. Uh, we historically will try to start the first reallocation uh, on Monday following the election because of the, the logistics of just retrieving our, all our materials from the field. We have worked in some practices uh, to try to begin the reallocation on a Thursday or Friday of the same week, uh, and we're looking to implement those this year if possible. But currently, right now, we usually start the reallocation the week following just due to logistics and uh, the demand of auditing uh, the result before we go into the reallocation. So how long does it tend to take to run your reallocation? So in the four reallocations that uh, we've done here in St. Paul, not one has exceeded a day. Uh, most of them, uh, we started at 8 a.m. and we're through by about 12 or 1 o'clock. But remember, the largest reallocation we have done yet by hand is 5,700 ballots. Uh, had we had to reallocate our mayoral election in 2017, that would have been 61,000 ballots. So quite a different scale, and that would be uh, quite a different time frame. Right. I'm sure it would take a little bit longer, at least. Yeah, we benefited from a mayor who got a majority, uh, but we were anticipating about a three-day event. You're planning on on how long these things might take. Do you have a you have a pretty good sense then of how big an election is and then how long it will take for you to to hand count all those ballots? Certainly. You know, in elections, there's a lot of unknowns. If there was knowns, we wouldn't need elections because we know who the public <laughs> wants. So obviously, there's a lot of unknowns going into Election Day. But what we do is we evaluate candidate filing. So um, once all the candidates have filed, we kind of get a general idea of the scope of that election. If we get a city council race where only one candidate files, we're not going to have a reallocation there, so no time to plan for that. Uh, but if we get a city council race where we get you know, seven, eight candidates filing, we're most likely planning on a reallocation. Um, so we're looking at our candidate filings, we're looking at the political environment, incumbent, no incumbent, and trying to do our best estimates on what that will look like. Uh, but in our experience, we just block out the whole week uh, to be safe anticipating that if we do have to reallocate 61,000 ballots, uh, we're prepared to do so. Do you hand count any other elections? So in the state of Minnesota, um, hand counting is a certified method of counting ballots. I believe there are some restrictions on the size of the jurisdiction. So yes, in Minnesota, there are some small jurisdictions that are just using the hand count method. Uh, but in our experience, all recounts are also done by hand count. Uh, some states, like Wisconsin, the first round of a recount, they actually run the ballots through a machine again. Uh, but in Minnesota, all recounts are done uh, by hand counting. And so we do have a lot of background in our state, uh, because we've had a lot of recounts recently, uh, of the hand counting method. And we actually developed our ranked voting hand counted method to mirror the recount laws that we're using in the state of Minnesota right now to do hand counts. Are there any particular benefits Ramsey County or, or the city of St. Paul have seen from running your hand counts of ranked choice voting? You know, the number one benefit we have found is transparency. Uh, when we do the reallocations, all the candidates are there. Their representatives are there. They get to see every ballot. They get to see every determination we make on every ballot. And in in every reallocation we've had, not one person has questioned uh, the final result because everything has been on the table 
everyone can see it. Um, and that has really been a benefit to us, especially in a system that's not well tested in the state. Um, it really gives it a lot of confidence in the accuracy of the result we're reporting. Are there any drawbacks you all have experienced with hand counting? You know, the reality is there's an expectation from the public that we have a election result that is uh, fast, accurate, and secure. And the drawbacks of the hand count is we don't have a result on election night for the public that is uh, fast. How have candidates in the city reacted to the delay in results? You know, in my experience, I haven't heard a concern from the candidates too dramatically. I mean, obviously, they would like to know on election night, uh, but we're pretty upfront with our reporting uh, timeline, and so they're aware of that. Um, but as of now, I think the candidates have appreciated the transparency of the event uh, and being able to kind of see um, how the reallocation works and have a confidence in the final result. Is there any wisdom, any particular aspects to consider uh, in getting ranked choice voting hand counts up and running? You know, I, th I think one thing election administrators should be mindful of is the ballot layout. If you're going to do a hand count of ranked choice voting, um, administratively, how the ballot laid out is very important uh, because when you're looking at 5,700 ballots, you know, after you've looked at three, 400 ballots, you really, it's really difficult to follow the choices and make sure you're putting the ballot in the right pile. And so uh, how we laid out the ballot was A, to benefit the voter and make it as simple for the voter, but also when we're doing the reallocation, um, that it's very obvious to our staff doing that where the ballot needs to go for the second, third, fourth, and subsequent choices. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that before, but it makes sense you, when you're looking at the same thing over and over again. One of the things we did was we created uh, every choice to be its own race. So each choice has its own box with a list of candidates, and it really stands out that this is your first choice, second choice, third choice. So for the voters, it's very clear what choice they're making the ranking on. For administrators, it's very clear what choice the voter chose to cast for that uh, individual candidate. Do you guys have any plans to move away from hand counting for St. Paul? You know, we've always been evaluating uh, options out there to have an electronic reallocation. Obviously, there's a lot of factors uh, outside of our control to get us to that point. Um, but the hand recount does become laborious. Uh, we need about 30 staff people to complete this. Uh, and the week of an election is a very stressful week for the election administrators. Uh, so our staff would just benefit from um, having a electronic reallocation that can be easily verified post-election as opposed to having to to get 30 staff people together, trained, um, and all set up for the physical hand recount. So we are definitely considering options to uh, for an electronic recount for reallocation. Is there any advice you would give to jurisdictions who aren't hand counting their RCV elections but may have to hand count an RCV election because of a recount or in their audit process? You know, when we first had to implement ranked voting in 2011, the staff had a lot of just animosity or anxiety about the totality of the changes. Once we got through it, uh, you know, beyond the ballot design and the reallocation, it really didn't have as big of an impact on our day-to-day -day operations as we had intended. Um, and also, I think the voters get it. You know, we did a lot of outreach the first few years. 
but we found from our experience, the voters kind of got the concept. Uh, we do some education at the polling place for new voters, uh, but even a lot of our new voters uh, in our experience, um, we're not getting a lot of questions or calls. So I, I think the concept to the general public is a lot more simple than some of the uh, other information out there might lead you to believe. So one thing I'm still curious about is if a jurisdiction doesn't normally hand count their RCV elections, but may have to because of a recount or an audit process, what what advice do you have for them? Yeah, you know, for any jurisdiction uh, who has to implement one of these uh, hand recount or hand reallocations, I think there's really five goals to keep in mind. Uh, you want an accurate system. You want a transparent system. You want a system that's simple. Uh, the public has to understand it. You want a, sim a system that's somewhat fast. The public expects results. Uh, at a fairly uh, timely manner. And then you want a cost-effective manner. You could really uh, balloon this operation out if you wanted to. So I think those five goals uh, would be to keep in mind when you're trying to implement a ranked voting hand count election. All right. Well, thanks so much for getting on the podcast with me this month, David. Yeah, you're very welcome. I enjoyed talking about the content. And now here's Corinne DeFranciski, a FairVote research intern, with this month's final round, where we share an interesting bit of trivia, useful tidbit, or just something that was cool for folks to know about ranked choice voting. Did you know that several states, including Texas and Georgia, use runoffs in federal primary elections to ensure that party nominees have majority support from party voters? 221 such primary runoff elections have occurred in 10 different states since 1994. Although meant to promote more democratic outcomes, a major problem with these elections is that turnout regularly decreases from the first primary election to the runoff. Only eight of these 221 runoffs did not see a decline in turnout, and the average decline was 37.4%. Ranked choice voting, also known as the instant runoff, can solve the problem of a decrease in turnout, as well as costs associated with a second election, and still promote majoritarian outcomes by combining multiple elections into a single ranked choice voting election. Thank you for joining us today for our first August RCV clip. This is a monthly segment produced by the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center. Follow us on Twitter at RCV Resources, on Facebook and LinkedIn at Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center, and check out our website, rankedchoicevoting.org, for more RCV resources. You can find our show anywhere you get podcasts. Please take some time to subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast, too. Our theme music is Flutterby by Poddington Bear. Thanks to David Triplett and Corinne DeFranciski for joining us for today's episode. Until next time, I'm Chris Hughes on behalf of my colleagues at the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center. <laughs>